Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. What's good? Thank you so much for tuning in to this extra bonus post that shouldn't even be happening because it's an off week for the newest Olympian. <laughs> My name is Mike Schubert. I'm the titular newest Olympian and I am here coming to you live from the Jersey Shore. You may be hearing some incredible ocean vibes. I am outside on the porch of the place where I'm vacationing with Kelly and Barb and Joel and we're having a lovely time, but I wanted to be here very quickly on this off week for you to give you some content. I figured I ought to post some sort of bonus episode to the feed for two reasons. First and foremost, I've never done it before, so maybe some folks aren't familiar with the type of content that will show up on the Patreon every month as a bonus episode. And also, this particular bonus episode will cover some content in the Demigod Files that we didn't get to in our main episodes, and it just felt right to have my complete coverage of the Demigod Files on the podcast. So what you are about to hear is a bonus episode of TNO. I post these once a month for Super God tier patrons and above over at thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon. If you like it, and you want to get access to more, if you join at that tier or above, you'll get access to all the ones we've done in the past immediately, and you'll get access to the ones going forward. So I hope you enjoy this content. We cover the interviews that we didn't get to. We cover the visual things. We cover the portraits, every other element of the Demigod Files that we didn't get to in our episodes. So I hope you enjoy, and I will now let Solo Studio Shubio Mike take it away from here for the remainder of this bonus episode. And Next week, next Monday, we'll be back continuing our coverage of the fifth book, The Last Olympian. So I'll proceed later, and I hope you enjoy this bonus episode of The Last Olympian. Patreon and welcome to another bonus episode of the Newest Olympian. My name is Mike Schubert. You might recognize me from a lot of different parts of the Newest Olympian, such as that name that's in the logo. So I am here for another bonus episode. This time I wanted to cover the parts of the Demigod Files that we didn't get into in our episodes. There's some other extra little bonus things in the book. There are some more of the interviews. There are some graphic visual things that I will do my best to describe here on this audio format. And I just thought that this would be a good little bonus episode to do because we didn't cover 100% of the Demigod Files on the podcast. We just covered most of it. So to make sure that we fully 100% FC complete the book the Demigod Files. I'm going to be giving my thoughts about everything else because I did take notes about everything else just in case the live shows that we did had extra time or anything like that, such as the one where we had some interviews. So 
And let's cover the rest of the stuff. So we didn't get through all of the interviews. We ended up, I think, just doing the Stoles and Clarice and Annabeth. I believe the remaining interviews we have are Grover and Percy, and then we have some of the other things. So let's kick it off with the Grover interview. Grover's first question, the first question asked of Grover is, what is your favorite song to play on the reed pipes? And he says that once he got a request from a muskrat to play Muskrat Love, and after learning it, he loved it. And Muskrat Love is very funny. It's a song that I had not known of, but it is a song that Kelly is familiar with because her dad used to play it for her, and it's a very silly song, but still you got that sentimentality of, oh, my dad used to play that for me when we were kids. And, uh, you know, Muskrat Love is is one that I had never really heard of until 2019 when Kelly and I were doing wedding planning type things and she was workshopping potential first dance songs with her dad. And this was a contender. They ended up not picking it because they thought it was too silly. I really wanted it to get picked because it was so silly. So Grover mentioning Muskrat Love, I think is fantastic and on brand for Rick Riordan, given his age, to know Muskrat Love. Something I wasn't familiar with, maybe more the generation back then. Regardless, that's funny. I love that that came up. He says that the song is not just for Muskrats. It is a sweet love story, which it is. He says he tears up every time he plays it, and so does Percy, but those are tears of laughter, which is also correct because the song is truly absurd. Love this. Couldn't be a more up-my-alley answer. Next question that Grover gets asked is, who would you least like to meet in a dark alley, a Cyclops, or an angry Mr. D? And... I thought that you got to pick Mr. D because he's a god, right? Like, in theory, he's not going to give you a hard time. Canonically, we saw a Cyclops give Grover a hard time. Grover laughs at the question, but he says that he would rather meet Mr. D because he's so, quote, dot, 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 er, nice and generous to all satyrs. And then he continues, quote, and I'm not just saying, <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because he's always listening and he would blast me to pieces if I said anything different. And this is this is fun. This is the point when I was reading these, I believe I expressed this sentiment in the episodes, but I really enjoyed Uncle Rick getting a little bit goofier and getting a little looser with things because of these being side stories, not necessarily super important canon type things. And it makes me really yearn for an Uncle Rick book that is more comedy driven. I know that he has done other things. I know he did like a crime mystery book before doing The Lightning Thief. And I know that he's done some other different types of writing. I don't know if he's done anything explicitly comedic before, but I would really enjoy a book that is first and foremost meant to be funny because he's a really funny writer. So rather than him write a YA book, a middle grade book that happens to have humor in it, I would enjoy a book from him that was written to be funny. And and I don't know if, you know, in universe, out of universe, whatever, even just a short story, he's a very funny comedic writer with good comedic chops and i would love to read something like that from him next question that they ask grover is what's the most beautiful spot in nature in america grover says lake placid in new york which is very pretty i don't think i've ever been there or if i did i didn't know it but i've been to lakes in upstate new york like lake george and they are very pretty Grover says that it's beautiful, especially in the winter, and the dryads are wonderful. He then immediately asks to have that stricken from the record so that Juniper doesn't kill him. At the time I was reading this, 
you know, I thought that that might be, uh, you know, a red flag against Juniper. But now as I read this, I'm currently in the world. I'm recording this on July 24th. So me, Mike Schuber, I've already finished chapter 18 of the books. So I'm pretty far, 18 of book five, pretty far along. So, you know, we'll just have to see how I feel about Juniper. But yeah, I, I will just say that I felt differently, um, which I think gives it <laughs> exactly away. Next question, are tin cans really that tasty? And Grover says that his grandmother used to say, quote, two cans a day keeps the monsters away. They are high in minerals, they are filling, and they have a great texture. Grover asks, what's not to like? I can't help it if human teeth aren't built for heavy-duty dining. And you know what? Grover dropping the mic and basically saying that we are the weird ones for not understanding the tin can fascination in the snacking department. I love it. I love this. What a fantastic interview. Fantastic. 10 out of 10. Knocked it out of the park. I love it. The next interview is with Percy Jackson. First question asked of Percy, what's your favorite part about Summers at Camp Half-Blood? He says seeing his friends. Oh, so cute. And he then describes details on how on the first day everyone is doing their classic bits and he loves that some things don't change you kind of come back and everyone is doing whatever you would expect them to do and it's kind of like you didn't miss, miss a beat which is a really fun camp vibe i get that because there was a tennis camp that i used to go to basically every summer that's how i met adam mamawala who co-hosts horse with me and Chris Chan, who just did the TNO slash Potterless live show with me in Hartford. Every time I would come back to that camp, it was really cool to see people that I hadn't seen in basically a full year. And, you know, you just get right back into playing cards with my buddy Steven or making silly jokes with Adam and Chris or, you know, talking about hip hop music with Mark, whatever it is. It, it's cool to kind of always get back into the swing of things after so much time has passed. So I totally get that. The next question that Percy is asked is, you've attended quite a few different schools. What's the hardest part about being the new kid? And I've been the new kid before when I moved from New Jersey to Texas. That was quite the culture shock. So I was intrigued to see what Percy was going to say here. And he said, establishing your reputation. You have to make it clear you aren't one to pick on, but you can't be a jerk about it. And then he admits that he's probably not a great resource on this, though, seeing as he often gets kicked out of schools for blowing stuff up. Yeah, I don't know if establishing your reputation is really a thing, you know, like in action movies and stuff when it's like, oh yeah, I gotta beat up the biggest guy in the jail so that they know I'm tough. I don't know. Uh, I, I did just try to like make a lot of friends early on and establish myself as like a nice guy. Maybe that was me establishing my reputation, but I don't really know. Also, I had the benefit of I was new to a high school starting as a freshman, so it wasn't like I came in in the middle of the year. I think that is a lot tougher of a situation if you, you know, you're in seventh grade and you're switching or you're coming in your junior year of high school or whatever. I don't know how grades work abroad, you know, secondary school, all that. You, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Before, like, a big change in shift school stuff, you got it. You got it. We're, we're all on the same page here. Yeah. Next question that Percy is asked is, if you had to trade Riptide for another magic item, whose item would you choose? And he says he would love armor that melted into his regular clothes because normal armor is heavy, hot, and unfashionable. Percy being concerned with the fashion, I think is fantastic. But also, I don't know if anyone has this magic melting armor. I don't think we've come across it in the series. I would love if someone did, but I think that's pretty cool. I think that is a pretty cool thing to want. Next question. You've had a lot of close calls, but what's been your scariest moment? And he says the first Minotaur fight because he had no clue what was going on. Also because he thought he lost Sally forever. Correct answer. No notes. Yes. Next and final question. Any advice for kids who suspect they may be demigods too? I guessed run, but Percy says, pray you are wrong, which is very fun. He continues, it may sound fun to read about, but it is bad news. And I will never tire of this bit. I will never tire of the don't read this book or don't wish this upon yourself 
I just, it's so fun. It's so fun. He says that if you do think you're a demigod, you should find a satyr as soon as possible. Says that you can spot them by their strange laughs or their penchant for eating everything. And then he says his when referring to them. And I don't know if that means there are only boy satyrs or if he's doing the thing where sometimes instructions in board games just pick a pronoun and then just roll with it. I think now we should just say they because it's just so much easier. Oh my goodness. But I wonder if there are only boy satyrs because we have only seen boy satyrs. And, and some of the Greek mythological things we see that where, you know, there's only male whatevers. So I just gave it a thought. And, you know, the only satyrs you really talk to are the Council of the Cloven Elder Guys and Grover. So those are all dudes. So I'll have to ask Dr. Moya if that is a thing. Percy then also suggests, if you think you're a demigod, to head to Camp Half-Blood immediately. Quote, but again, you do not want to be a demigod. Do not try this at home. So good. I will never tire of it. So those are the final interviews. The other things in this book, the short story collection, whatever you want to call it, the rest of the stuff is a little different and more visually based. The first of which is a map of Camp Half-Blood. And it is interesting. It's not exactly what I was going to envision. What I thought was very strange is that the volleyball courts are called out on the map, but not the basketball courts. That made me a little bit sad. And I thought that the cabins were in a U-shape, but at least according to this map, they are in an oval. Maybe I thought they were in a U-shape because the thrones in Olympus are in a U-shape, and I'm conflating the two. But these have them in an oval, which I thought was a little bit interesting. And then I also was wondering, the creek is called, at least on the map, the Zephyros Creek, the Zephyros Creek. And I don't know if they've called it that name before, but if that's the first name drop, cool. But I get it, named after Zephyr. But yeah, they've got that. And then it's got other things on the map, like the stables and the armory and the arena and the strawberry fields, the big house, the volleyball courts, Thalia's Pine, Half-Blood Hill in general, arts and crafts, the lake, the mess hall, the climbing wall, and the amphitheater, the fireworks beach, which I feel like was also a Demigod Files only thing since they talk about that. And then they got the Long Island Sound and the magical border around the campus. So that's everything that's on the map. The next visual aid thing is a picture of Annabeth's trunk. And they mentioned this in the intro where it's like we got permission to show you what like someone packing for Camp Half-Blood would look like. And there's some interesting stuff here. There is a Yankee hat here in giant, 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 giant quotation marks because it just has an N and a Y next to each other. If you know what the Yankee logo looks like, it is an interlocking NY in a very curvy, not script, but like old school, fancy kind of looking font. This is just like sans serif NY, like it was typed in Arial font. So that's something, of course, as a Yankee fan, I really brushed up against. And I wonder if this is some sort of legal thing. Like if there was a legal reason why they had to do this, they couldn't use the actual Yankee logo or something that looked like it. Also funny note that there is a teddy bear. It says teddy bear and then in parentheses, don't tell anyone, which continues on the theme of this where Annabeth was interviewed and consulted for this book, but she keeps telling Rick Riordan character in the series to not post the stuff. And then he does anyway, which is kind of funny. And then the other things, there's sunscreen. There's Medea's SPF 5000 sunscreen. So that gets a callback. Her dagger is there. Her Daedalus laptop is there. Very relevant given the ending of book four. 
There is a canteen of nectar, bug spray. It says anti-spiders. Great, because canonically she hates spiders. Cell phone, and then it says in parentheses, keep off at all times. Camp half blood shirt, flip-flops, sleeping bag, copy of classical architecture for the 21st century. And then uh, that's everything in her trunk. After this, you get portraits. And they have portraits for each of the gods, and they say their name, and they got a picture of them, and then it says what they are also known as, and they have some nicknames, mentions their hometown and their weapon of choice, and they have that for basically every god. The notable things that I saw, because some of the stuff is just kind of like, yeah, whatever, cool, like, you know, Poseidon, god of the sea, one of the big three, Percy's dad, his hometown's the deep sea, the weapon of choice is the trident, like, okay, fine, whatever, you know, it is cool that he is holding what looks like some sort of island drink with a bendy straw, but I've got some just keynotes here. Ares's hometown is listed as Mount Olympus, and then in parentheses, it says, although his bumper sticker reads, I wasn't born in Sparta, but I got here as fast as I could. Classic bumper sticker trope. Also, Ares looks exactly like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator 1 in this. He's got a pop collar, big sunglasses, just big Arnold vibes. There's some other interesting things with uh, some of the other portraits up until this point. Zeus looks fine, you know, big beard, lightning bolts, whatever. I said Poseidon as well. Athena's portrait is from behind and then she's turning around. Like literally the camera's behind her and she's turning her head to the side. I don't understand why she didn't just turn around. So that was interesting. Ares also has... His weapon of choice listed as you name it, he's got it. That's fantastic. That's really good. Then we get Percy. Percy's got quite an interesting middle part going on. Uh, just just not looking like a tough guy. Like if you showed me this picture, I wouldn't think this guy is saving the world. I would think this guy is maybe challenging you to a game of Candyland. Or maybe that'd be too young. He's challenging you to a game of sorry. I don't know. He just looks like a somewhat menacing kid. Not necessarily, you know, savior of the world, etc. And then Annabeth looks like she's a 40-year-old woman in the face, but then it's connected to a kid's body. It is alarming. I, I don't know who did these drawings. I know that they are not necessarily beloved. I know Uncle Rick had someone else do the more canon drawings. This one looks really whack. Like, it truly looks like someone that's in their 40s and then got placed it on like a nine-year-old's body. It's 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 alarming. They do not look like a child. It's really, really strange. I cannot unrecommend looking up the picture of this a lot. And then you get the Grover picture, which is somehow worse. Like I get Grover supposed to be goofy and stuff, but he's got a really bad goatee, really fray hair. He's got the Rasta cap. Meh. And then he's got a bell on his neck like he's a cow, but he's a goat. I mean, I guess you could put one of those on goats too, but it's just like, I don't really think that this person this satyr would be rocking a bell necklace. It, it's tough. Now, on the other side of things, you show Chiron. Chiron looks incredibly young. My vibe was that Chiron was a lot older. This Chiron looks 41. I don't know. He looks a lot younger than I was anticipating. Very bushy beard situation. It just really wasn't what I'm envisioning for Chiron. And I, I just thought from Percy's descriptions that he was older. I don't know if Percy said he was bald or if I was just imagining that he was balding, but... These drawings are very, very strange and not what I would uh, envision for the portraits. So the portraits were very, very interesting. After the portraits, then you get the third story, Percy Jackson and the Sword of Hades. And then after that, you get a crossword, you get a word jumble, and then you get this informational page that talks about the gods 
and then plus two Olympian gods for Hades and Hestia, which I think is interesting just because at that point in time, Hestia hadn't really come up in the story. I don't know if they actually even mention her at all until she, you know, finds her way into book five. But I don't know. I I thought it was pretty interesting. But what this chart has is it has the god slash goddess. It has their sphere of control. So Zeus is the sky. Hera is motherhood and marriage. Hephaestus is blacksmiths, etc. And then it says their animal or their symbol. And Hephaestus is an interesting one because it says anvil, quail, and then dash, hops funny like him. Okay. And Hera, when they list cow, they have to put in parentheses motherly animal. Aphrodite, it says dove, magic belt, and then dash. That makes men fall for her. And then Ares, it's got wild boar and a bloody spear. And all the other stuff is pretty standard. But Hestia does have under animal slash symbol crane. And then dash gave up her council seat for Dionysus. So we do get a little bit of the story explanation that Red described in our myth episode. And then Hestia describes in book five. So then you got the answers to the crossword and the word jumble. And then that is the end of the demigod files. So now we have covered it all. Huzzah. We have done it. You now know all of my thoughts about the demigod files from cover to cover baby all the way through so that was this bonus episode i hope you enjoyed it i'm excited to bring more bonus episodes to you reminder that we've got a whole bunch of fun ones up on the patreon we've got video bonus episodes where i go through the covers i'll be doing that once we finish book five got to do all the book five covers and then we'll see what other bonus content makes its way there i've got some stuff saved up from the live shows on tour just like extra bonus clips and stuff you know i'm always posting little audio clips and stuff like that so if you are in the bonus episode tier you also will get all those little bonus clips, things that get edited out of the episodes, etc. So I hope you enjoyed this. Been a little while since we did one like this where it's kind of just me solo giving thoughts. So I hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for supporting. I really do appreciate the support. The Patreon support goes a long way. My job is very strange and the money coming in is inconsistent with advertising and shows and merch sales and all that stuff. So for Patreon to give me more of a sense of stability so I can plan around things like paying my taxes and all of that kind of stuff, it really does help. So thank you all so much. I really appreciate it and I hope you're enjoying the rewards that you get in return for your support. So thank you. And until next time, whenever I come at you again with more content, Until then, I'll see you later. Now, wasn't that fun? Wasn't that such a good time? You can get these bonus episodes once a month in your eardrums if you sign up at thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon. And while I've got you here, I will actually put something that would have been in the mid-roll break if we had a mid-roll break in this episode. Just this past Friday, tickets went live for three more TNO live shows. We've got a show in D.C., we've got a show in Philly, and we've got a show in New York City. The D.C. show is technically in Vienna, Virginia. It's about a 30-minute drive outside of D.C. That's on September 28th. And then October 21st and 22nd, we've got Philly and then New York. The Philly show, obviously, is the Doylestown show, and the New York show is the New York show. That's Percy Jackson-y enough. You can get tickets to all of those shows right now at thenewsolympian.com slash live. And I would recommend that you do them. There'll be a party, much like the car that you may have just heard in the background, bumping music at 1130 at night on a Wednesday evening in 
New Jersey. But anyway, go to thenewslimby.com slash live right now if you want to get tickets to those shows. But thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode. I really do appreciate it. And I'll be back in one week's time to continue our coverage of The Last Olympian. We'll be joined by Nathan Cox. This time it will be live in Vancouver. Very excited for you to hear this. There's some special extra goodies in that one. But until you hear that, I'll pursue you later. For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, a.k.a. the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's me, ASMR Mike. I'm just here at the very end of the episode one because even though this is a bonus episode, it wouldn't feel right for me not to find my way onto the feed. And second, I just wanted to let you know that the real ASMR Mike was the ASMR Mike that we made along the way because by having those little intro and outro bits be recorded outside and you got the sounds of the Jersey Shore, that was truly an ASMR Mike segment throughout. So really, when you think about it, this episode had our longest iteration of ASMR Mike, even though it was a bonus episode. So all I have to say is thank you for listening. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. 
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.